Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight. We are the show that talks about all of the great memories of growing up as a baby boomer, baby boomer being those of us who were born between the years thereabouts of 1946 and 1964. I'm Mike. I'm Smitty. And we're still in the stay-at-home period of our lives here, well, definitely here in Southern California, in the state of California, and I assume across the nation, if not across the world. And it's a Saturday afternoon. It's a gloomy, rainy rainy Saturday afternoon, in fact, here in San Diego, California. So prior to the show, Smitty, my good partner, and I were talking about the things we did as kids when we were Suffering from cabin fever, cooped up in the house, or maybe just not much going on on a Saturday afternoon. And we would put our little devious minds to work and try and find things to do to kill the time and and make the day go by a little bit better and a little bit quicker. So we thought we'd do this show about cheap thrills, entertainment, and things that kept us from going stir-crazy when we were in situations such as we are in today. Smitty, I was thinking all about all the things we did with things that would cost little or nothing. Not only the things we did, Mm -hmm. but the experiences. The first thing that came to mind when we talk about cheap thrills were, this might have been been a few years before your time, but I I think you were pretty much there in the wheelhouse somewhere, but Penny candy, nickel and penny candy, cheap mm-hmm. candy. Go down to the corner grocery store or the corner market, rather, the mom and pop, or maybe maybe somewhere else, and, and maybe you'd have a dollar. You'd pick up a dollar or two for your allowance or your savings, and you thought, you know, I'm just I'm going to go get myself some candy and fill a little bag up and come home and watch TV and... See how fast I can rot my teeth out. <laughs> Be there good... were so many penny candies, Smitty. There were so many when I was growing yeah. up that in the late 50s, early 60s. And I, I do mean literally penny candies. They cost a penny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that could range anywhere from those little two-stick packs of bubble gum that came in a regular chewing gum type package. But there were two or three sticks. And I think they were called bubble-o. But mm-hmm. they they were either a penny or two pennies a piece. And you could you could buy enough bubble gum with ten cents to last you the day and into the next day. Mm-hmm. And penny candy, we had we lived in in suburbia in Los Angeles, California, and there was a corner grocery store just about every six blocks away. It seemed like, and they were all run by little old mom and pop, and they would have shelves behind the counter and boxes and boxes and boxes of cheap, highly sugar charged candy jawbreakers were one thing you could buy a jawbreaker for a penny and and guarantee to break your jaw if you chewed into oh, it yeah but gave gave you something to do with a big jawbreaker hanging out of the side of your your cheek for the next 10 minutes unless you were like me and and a type a and had to crush it the minute the sweet stuff started wearing off on the outer <laughs> layer you remember those kind of little things little candies and little little trinkets and things that you could get for a dime or a quarter and yeah. While the day away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think by the time I came along, I think there were uh, nickels, you know, a nickel or a dime. But, yeah, the candies, the different candies. I, I my, One of my favorites was the candy cigarettes. 
I think you used to buy a, a box of those candy cigarettes for what, like 15 cents or something like that? 10 cents, yeah. 15 cents, something like that maybe? Back yeah, in the that day. sounds about right, Smitty. Hmm. And what was interesting about it, they, I'm sure there was a marketing a marketing initiative behind those because all the candy cigarette packages mimicked regular cigarette regular packages. I, exactly. I remember Viceroy. Mm-hmm. My dad smoked Viceroy, and there was a candy cigarette brand that looked just like a pack of Viceroy's, and it was so cool <laughs> to take these little candy cigarettes out and put them in your mouth and walk around like you were somebody cool. And if you didn't chew them up right away, they dissolved, but you walk around and some of these candy cigarettes actually had little red dots on the end yeah. of them to mimic <laughs> mimic that you lit them up that and you walk around and strut around so cool and you know, share them with your friends and you know, yeah. walk around with this cool pack of candy cigarettes sticking out of your shirt pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you you felt really grown up. You had this pa- this pack of of candy cigarettes and. And, you know, stick one in, in my mouth and walk around with it. And then, you know, pretend like I was puffing on it. And, you know, take a little bite of it and, you know, put it back in your mouth. And it, it was fun. You know, all those candies um, that were around that were readily available, it seems like a lot of those seems to seem to come back every Halloween. It seems like a lot of them, instead of being available year-round in general terms in the stores, they seem to come around at, uh, at Halloween, you know, that people give them out as – for a trick or treat, but I remember uh, those candies, those cheap candies. One of my favorite things to do was to go down to the to the neighborhood thrifty drugstore and um, get an ice cream, and you could get a a single scoop for ten cents, and a double scoop for fifteen, and I think a triple scoop for twenty cents. But uh, I remember it was a dime for a single scoop, and I used to always get uh, the um, what was it called, Mike? The 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 rainbow sherbet was my favorite one, and I, that oh. was, tasted so good. The rainbow, and then the fifty fifty bar was interesting because it was half popsicle and half vanilla ice cream yeah. on the inside. Yeah, and you know who wants to eat a popsicle when you can get to that white creamy ice cream? So you <laughs> you bite away at the at the outside, the popsicle, the orange part, and get to the vanilla, and, and that's where the that's where the fun time was on the vanilla. Also, the uh, sidewalk Sunday was interesting because yeah. it was a ice cream bar without the stick, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or was cream. that a sidewalk Sunday? And then there was the Eskimo pie wrap. Those were in foil, and you'd open them. And on a hot day, they had a they had a life of unless you start eating it very quickly and left Thrifty Drug and went up the sidewalk, the thing would be all over your hands in probably about a minute and a half. So yeah, it, it was a. It was a road race trying to eat that thing before it started dripping all over your your PF Keds and your and your green Levi's. Yeah, yeah I remember. I remember the scoops of ice cream, and I knew. I I do have a few years on you because they were a nickel a, a nickel scoop beforehand yeah. in LA yeah. at, at Thrifty Drug, and I believe at Save on Drug, yeah. you could get a and it was it was a scoop. It was a real scoop. They were they were round scoops. They they used a round device to load the ice cream on. And they were big cylinders of ice cream, and they were hard. They, mm-hmm. they were not soft served. They, they were not Foster Freeze type old fashions. They they were real hard ice cream. And I think I talked in a previous show about one of my favorite uncles who would take his two sons and me and my two brothers out for the day. And we always made a stop at Thrifty Drug, and we got the nickel ice cream. And one of us popped off one time, so why don't we go to Foster Freeze? 
my uncle wasn't having that. Number one, he wasn't going to pay more than a nickel for an uh, ice cream scoop. And secondly, he said, no, what's the fun in soft ice cream? I like the, I like my ice cream frozen and hard so you can bite into it and chew it. Oh, wow. That, that really evoked a good memory of chewing on the hard ice cream from Thrifty Drug, the five-cent scoops. And, yep. and you could get flavors. You mentioned the rainbow orange sherbet. Yeah, rainbow sherbet, orange sherbet. You know, get vanilla, strawberry, chocolate, whatever you wanted. You know, you could get them. I do remember, Mike, that they were uh, when when they served it to you. It was like a cylinder. It was like a little cylinder yes. of ice cream and it had two holes in it. Yes. Uh, the device, whatever it is that they would use to scoop this out, uh, put it out in the cone, and it'd be like a cylinder. I, I distinctly remember that. It was almost like. Smitty, the best way to describe it, it was almost like an empty frozen orange juice can. It was mm-hmm. about that that much in, in circumference and diameter. And the lady would stick that into the ice cream and twist it, mm-hmm. lift it back up and, and put it in the cone. And they weren't waffle cones. They were the other kind of cones. Yeah, the, yeah, the regular the sugar, cone. sugar cones. The sugar cones. Yeah, the regular cones. Yeah, yeah, the sugar cones. And the fun was get that ice cream eaten and get that down. And you'd take your tongue and you'd pack what was left of the ice cream down <laughs> yeah. into the rest of the cone. <laughs> That's right. The listeners are going to love this one. That's right. Yeah, they will. Because everybody's done that. You just, yeah. you take your – you're already tongue frozen. You already had the, the brain freeze. And now you're down to about level with the cone with your ice cream. So you'd – Stick your tongue out like like a St. Bernard and pack that down into the cone and then start chewing away at the cone. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very very vivid memories of that. And now they're talking, now they got waffle cones that uh, that I don't understand because there's more waffle and cone than there is ice cream. The ice cream hides down below the top level of the yeah. waffle cone now and it just doesn't seem as much fun, not to mention they're four or five dollars a pop now. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a long way from a nickel or a dime for a for an ice cream cone. Buddy, you enjoyed the the candy cigarette craze. Yeah, I well, did. did you ever? That was kind of a gateway candy that led to bigger and better things. I'm, where I'm going at is, have you ever had the bubblegum cigars? No, you know what? I don't recall. I may, I might have, but I don't recall right now. Well, these were interesting. They were bubble gum, and they looked a lot like a cigar, except they were different colors. Most of the time, it, as I remember, they were pink. Mm-hmm. But they had a cigar band around them, and it was yeah. bubble gum. And you'd walk around with this cigar, this bubble gum cigar, and walk around and sport around like you were some kind of big shot. And I remember keeping the ring when it, when you were done and putting it on your little finger. And then uh, probably around the fourth, third or fourth grade, when boys started noticing girls, and likewise, you would take the little paper ring and you would uh, offer it up to your favorite girl, uh-huh. the girl you had the crush on in class. Uh-huh. And that was a big thing. That was, that was before the St. Christopher medals, and we can talk about that on a different show. Okay. But you know, it's like Dobie Gillis, the life and time, the, the love and times of Mike Bragg. <laughs> so would you uh, take this little cigar band and put it on the finger if you're – if you're, if the little girl accepted your your advances, would she put her hand out and you'd put it on her, much like a wedding ring? Well, yeah, and <laughs> and the whole process would initiate with passing a note in class. I was probably fourth grade, third grade, and uh, do you like me? <laughs> yes. And you would you would have a yes or a no, and she would circle it, <laughs> the yes or the no, and you couldn't wait. I was just like the moment that time stopped, waiting for this note to come back. 
of course, unless it was intercepted by the teacher, and then you had a whole different social problem on your hands. Yeah. Because in the case of a couple of my teachers, they would read the notes out loud. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, you'd have to put the your name on the note because yeah. the poor girl wouldn't know who was chasing her. So will, will you be my Valentine or do you like me, Mike B? Yeah. Yes? No. Yes or no. So here's Mrs. Hagney, Uh-oh. and Mrs. Hagney was an interesting person. And I'll leave it at that. But Mrs. Hagney intercepted one of my notes one day and read it out loud. Uh, do you like me? Do you want to go around? Mike B, yes or no? And she read that out to the entire class. And all at lunchtime, all I could hear were these echoes of the other children saying, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. I'm sure that's why I'm damaged to this day. <laughs> that explains that explains a lot, Mike. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Just kidding, my friend. No, I got you, buddy. But you didn't ask a girl to go steady. You were about ten years too early for that. Yeah. You would ask a girl to go around. You go around, yeah. You you want to go around, and to this day, it means something entirely a world difference because yeah. now. When you say you're going around, that means something entirely different. And that's for another show, too. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that those notes that we passed when we were kids, whether we passed them or whether whether, we wrote them or whether we received them, they always had a thing to check off either yes or no. You always gave the person an option, yes or no. (laughs) Well, yeah, and and there was a... You know, there's an offshoot of that particular paper genre, the yes/no. That was that. I'm sure you had these in elementary school too, Smitty. The little papers, you'd fold them up, and and it was. And I I don't know how to explain it other than you'd fold it up, and they would have different messages on about four different areas of the corner. Yeah. And you would wiggle them and shift and shuffle them, uh, and it would come up with a different answer every time. It was almost like a word puzzle. Yeah. And then, of course, paper airplanes. Yep, uh, paper airplanes. Uh, I sometimes thought that the uh, that the offspring of the Wright brothers were sitting in the back row of third grade because <laughs> on any given day you would see this flight, this angry flight of paper airplanes flying across the room, and, of course, the whole class would be held to answer until – Somebody confessed as being the aeronautical whiz in the back row. I might add I was one of the guys that sat in the back row a lot. Uh, okay, so maybe you were related to the, to the Wright brothers then, huh? <laughs> well, yeah. I was, or probably some firebug lived <laughs> ancestors ago in my life, because moving on to some more cheap thrills, mm. albeit dangerous, were things that we could do with things that we could light, incendiary objects, uh, I remember making match head bombs. Wow. Get a box of blue tip matches and twist off the tips, the tip in that lit, getting about half the box together and taping them up tightly into one big wad, one big ball, and then lighting them and throwing them and see what they'd do. Hmm. That was an interesting concept because half the time those things, they didn't light the way you would or they would overlight and you would get you would find yourself looking in the mirror and wondering where your eyebrows went. Oh, yikes, yeah. Mm. Well, we lit everything, Smitty. Cheap thrills, yeah. <laughs> you, get a, you get a bottle of Vitalis hair tonic, 
Mm-hmm. It was amazing how that stuff could burn. And what was r- truly exciting and amazing, and probably one of my finest memories of a cheap thrill, was that, that you could pour some Vitalis in maybe an empty cat food can and light it, and you couldn't even tell it was burning. It was invisible because uh, I believe it was probably pure alcohol and petroleum distillates. And you could burn things and think that it was out, hold your hand over it, and you know, out comes the unguentine. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those invisible uh, uh, flames uh, that, you know, anything that burns like alcohol, and that can be very dangerous because, as you said, you can't see the flames until you put your hand over it, and you'll definitely feel the flames. So, <laughs> but, uh, Mike, uh, getting back to, uh, <clears throat> real briefly before we move on, to the school stuff, did you, did your cl- any of your classes, elementary school classes, ever uh, pass a note around saying, uh, at at eleven ten, drop your pencil, and <laughs> they would pass this note around. And we had those clocks that would click off every every minute. So the clock would click, and everybody would drop their pencil. And the teacher, the teacher, you know, knew that knew it was going on. And they would just look at us and go, "All right, you know, what's what's going on, you know?" And and you know, everybody get back yeah. to your books. Did you ever guys ever do that? Uh, yeah, drop the pencil. Drop and, the, pencil. And <laughs> the one I remember more than anything is that at 11.18, everybody coughed. <laughs> yeah. That would not go over too well in the year 2020 in the month of April. No. Sitting today. No. Everybody coughed at 11.18. Uh. And usually you, would, usually you would commit that type of atrocity when you had a substitute teacher. Oh, yeah. Substitutes were always... I, I have to be honest with you. I was always a good kid when the substitute was there. I, I just, I don't know, maybe I felt sorry for the substitute. But there were some kids in the, my different classes that were just vicious to the substitute. And very would, brutal. Yeah, yeah very they could, brutal. They could be awfully brutal. Yeah, but, and uh, I just couldn't uh, do that. I, I, I could not do that. I could not be mean to the substitute. No, we, we would just have fun teasing them or perhaps... Uh, Loading them up with with disinformation. Well, this is how Mrs. Richardson does it when she's here. And then a substitute being gullible most of the time, sometimes they were pretty tough. Yeah. You would think that some of them probably were Marine Corps drill instructors from World War II. Sure. But others were just picking up part-time work, and they'd come in, and, and basically the mission, as understood by both teacher and students, was uh, we're going to spend the day in, with me babysitting you. Mm-hmm. Or get out, get out your books. We're going to have reading hour. The, the, well, the substitute teachers they had no ownership of the class, so to speak. So they just, you know, wanted to get their money, get through the eight-hour shift, and we would have some fun with. Uh, if a substitute st- substitute teacher was assigned for a few days or a week, they usually would have us take the little pieces of cardboard and write our names on the desk so they mm-hmm. could identify who we were. And of course, none of us used our names. We all used aliases. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mine was Jasper banana muffin. <laughs> and I remember that, uh, the teacher, I guess they're just uh, in another space, the substitutes, uh, <laughs> And now we're going to do a questionnaire. And yes, I see the hands up. Uh, yes, Mr. Mr. Banana Muffin. <laughs> and uh, that that lived to haunt me. That was one of those pranks that backfires Uh-oh. on you. Uh-oh. It takes a year to live down. <laughs> but, you know, moving on, other, yeah. other cheap thrills and, and just things you can do and could do when there's nothing else going on. In my time growing up, the comic books were 12 cents. Yeah. And so if my grandpa gave me a dollar for mowing the lawn on a Saturday, you could buy two or three comic books and 
some candy bars, Hershey bars at the time, I believe were a nickel. They might have been a dime. But you could load up on candy. You could load up on all the sweet things, get an RC Cola, which was the big bottle cola. Yeah. Those weren't those little dinky Cokes. RC Colas were big. And they, I believe they were 16 ounces, and they were about the same price as the other sodas. You get RC Cola and two, three comic books and go home and hide out. Hide out in the backyard or, yeah. or go to your room, and, and you could kill quite a bit of time for less than a dollar. Yeah, that's probably one of the cheapest thrills there is. Is yeah. a rainy afternoon on a Saturday and having your favorite Batman or Superman or Minute War comic book and just sit there and it'd be amazing because before you know it, mom would be calling out that it was dinner time. Isn't it amazing, Mike? How just something so simple. You know, we could be in our rooms uh, with a candy bar and and our comic books, and we could just be entertained, and there was nothing electronic about it. We weren't on any computer. There were no computers back then, and you weren't even listening to the radio. You were just reading a comic book or maybe, uh, you know, enjoying something, maybe a magazine or something, and with maybe a candy bar, maybe your bottle of pop, and you could spend a whole afternoon and just be entertained in your own room. Absolutely, and you would have things that you would remember to do when there was nothing else to do, the old standby things that would keep you sane and, and keep you occupied. And, you know, as a, as a kid growing up in middle-class suburban L.A., we we didn't have a lot of money. A yeah. dollar or two dollars was a lot of money, and if you could get a couple comic books and, and some candy and smuggle them in, you know, beat beat the checkpoint at the front door with your mom and dad and going back to your bedroom, you could occupy, you could take care of most of a Saturday afternoon. Even there were cheap plastic models that were 59 cents yeah. or, or 98 cents and uh, build a model sure. do something and just kill time. Then again, there were cheap, cheap thrills that you could have going visiting, going out and with your mom and dad and visiting some other folks and, right. uh, Finding out, maybe look at their photo album connect, collection, and or uh, a real treat was we had a, I believe it was by one of my mom's brothers, or but they had probably the last nine hundred and twenty-five years of National Geographic magazine. Oh boy! Now I was always one who thought of myself as an adventurer. But more importantly than traveling the world or reading a National Geographic about the wonders of the Taj Mahal, I would look for the naked ladies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> that was interesting. Because, you know, any young boy who's, on, who's honest that lived in the 50s or 60s was interested in that type of, of the human anatomy. So yeah. National Geographic, and you look at some of the interesting things or, or some of the freaks of nature that would be in, in some of the magazines. It was always interesting to go to somebody else's house and, and go to the bathroom and see what kind of magazines were there on the basket by the toilet. Yeah, it was always it was always an adventure to go to some – you're visiting a relative or you're visiting a friend or you're visiting somebody and, okay, i got to go to the bathroom. And you look, oh, what kind of magazine – what do they got here to read? And you go, oh, look at this. It was always interesting. It was just – it's way different from your you know, from your own house, you know, from what you had – from what maybe mom or dad had in your bathroom. People had different type of reading material. <laughs> Speaking of national graphics, did you make maps? Did you draw maps of islands and maybe – Maybe you would imagine yourself as a admiral in in a battle 
fleet and I would draw maps. My mm-hmm. brother and I would draw these these elaborate maps of an island. And we would put arrows and little drawings of the battleships and where we would invade or you know, quicksand here and uh, rampaging crocodiles over here. And mm-hmm. that would that would use up a good amount of time too. Just the imagination of a of a younger child. Uh, I miss those times because you're so creative and fresh and new and, and maybe you get a national graphic, a fold out map Mm -hmm. and get it home and put it up on the, uh, on the wall or just lay it out on the table and examine those faraway places and those strange sounding towns and countries and villages. I I used to love uh, AC spark plugs. Mm -hmm. The company put out a, a hardbound, very large, thin, map a global map of the world an atlas Mm -hmm. and it would have different countries and different areas of the world on each page and just to look at those and imagine i wonder what the people look like i I wonder what they eat yeah oh oh wow polynesia that sounds so interesting look that's in the middle of the ocean and and then dream and, and daydream and you really times when you have nothing else to do your mind would take care of that for you Mm -hmm. It would, yeah, yeah. I did used to do some of that, Mike. Make make maps and make like fictional countries. Okay, this is my country here, and these, this country's friendly, and this country's an enemy, and whatever. I also used to draw like a like a city map with streets, and I'd say, okay, this is the street, and put names on them and things. And sometimes I'd make it. Uh, remember, I had a big cho- I had a big chalkboard that I got for for Christmas one year, and I remember I would lay this thing down on the floor. And I would draw out streets, and I could put my little matchbox cars on them, and I could, you know, okay, I'm going to go, and I'm going to make a turn here, and I'm going to, and this is, and this is where I live, and this is a garage here, and this is a store, and this is the park, and this is the library, and the school, and just draw out like this little city layout, and I'd have my little cars, and would just, you know, drive them around these little streets. But um, yeah, it was it was a chance to use your imagination, and uh, and uh, I remember, you know, it just. Uh, it's it's really weird, Mike. I remember back then. You know, oh yeah, it'd be nice to you know get in a car and just drive the car. And now I can't imagine that. But I, you know, without thinking, yes. But does the car have gas? And when was the last time the tires were 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 rotated? And what about the oil change? And oh, what about this? And what about what about the insurance? It's just crazy. You know how real today, real modern. You know, not 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 modern, but real life kind of has a way of stepping in. To even thinking about that now, because when you're a when you're a child, you don't you don't know anything about that. You don't worry about that. Your imagination's fresh, and you're you know exploring in, in your own mind. Your imagination. There's no limit to your imagination. You know when you're doing these things, drawing out maps or thinking about little cars or whatever the case might be. It's, it sounds crazy, but it's true. Oh, that's so true, Smitty. And I'm thinking back here in our days of of being pretty much quarantined or house arrest or stay-at-home order or whatever we want to call it from week to week. It's been a month for us now, Smitty, but thinking about the things and wondering if if we'll ever see them again. Remember the the community carnival, the neighborhood carnival, or the church carnival, Smitty, where you could buy a whole strip of tickets for these little rides. Mm -hmm. I think at the time in the early 60s, maybe the the ticket rides were a nickel apiece, but it would just be it would be so much fun you'd get a strip of tickets you know 10 15 tickets right. and you'd go on these little rides and they could be little mini they'd always have a ferris wheel 
and always have the dime toss into the ashtrays, which nobody ever quite figured that how to work that, how, how to be successful at that. But for two, three dollars in every year, we would have a community carnival in our neighborhood. And the community carnival would be a place where all the kids went on Saturdays, all the school kids. You'd meet your buddies and they would have the shooting galleries and the little Ferris wheel and have a clown walking around blowing up making chihuahuas out of balloons yeah. and, and things like that. And I, I feel sad for the smaller kids nowadays that they're not going to be able to, to see that because now these carnivals come in their big productions. If yeah. there are any still a left, any still a left, but those type of things, those memories of, of having $2 in your pocket. And in my case, going with, with a brother, with my brother over to the local church carnival or school carnival and, Throwing the wet sponges at the guy who's sticking his head through the little cutout with the clown painting. Yeah. Memories such as that, you know, and, and you, you think about the things that were so big and so vibrant, so important and so special, so adventurous when yeah. you're eight, nine, ten years old. And, and how we've come so far to where now 623 stations on your satellite TV and unless it's really intriguing or thought provoking, you're you're remoting out of that after about yeah. the first three minutes. That's it. That's why most of us just have you know three or two or three channels that we watch all the time. You know, instead of the six hundred and twenty three channels that we. Sure. Did your mom? Did your mom and dad? They did they drop you off with a couple of dimes at the at the little horsey outside the grocery store when they went in? Yeah, they did that a couple times. Yeah, and uh, you know, did either, either a little horsey or something out there that you'd ride, and then go inside and go find them or they'd say well wait here i'm only going to go in to get some milk and loaf of bread and you stay here you know so that was that was fun too you know but it was really uh mike you brought out a real good point it was really uh a wonder to be a kid and to have 50 cents 75 cents in your pocket maybe you did a little job for mom or dad or maybe you raked the leaves or you did something and okay here's or here's a dollar what a wonder it was to have that in your pocket to have one dollar in your pocket what a what a what a it was just it was like totally mind-blowing and then to be able to go and spend that on candy or a or an ice cream or some ice creams or soda or a, or something and um, really how special that was those are just a lot of memories that um, i guess maybe a lot of the kids today don't get to experience i think that we did even the times of the season, Smitty, one that I can recall, a, a summer, probably 1963, 62, and get the grand idea that we're going to pick up some extra pocket money by having a lemonade stand. Mm -hmm. So mom would put a couple of big pictures of lemonade together and maybe some cookies, and we'd get the card table from the garage and set it out, go down to the corner. We had a busy street down the corner from our street. And set that up with a couple of chairs. How proud you felt mm -hmm. that, especially if somebody would come by and, and you'd have these Dixie cups and fill it up with lemonade. And I think you'd get a nickel or a dime. And yeah. the proud feeling of this didn't, there's no overhead involved here. And my mom provided this and I get to collect the money. That was probably yeah. one of the happiest thrills of, of earning money and putting, putting those dimes in your pocket and, and providing a service to somebody and having, Having somebody pull over, I'll take a glass of lemonade. In sure. L.A., it's smoggy and 104 degrees, so you make a couple of dollars and then lose interest or say, all right, we've got enough for some comic books and 
some bubblegum cigars and some of Smitty's candy cigarettes. I think go. we're going to close up shop early today and go shopping. There you go. Yeah, you had me a couple bucks, and you could buy all kinds of things on there, Michael. What wonderful memories we have, Mike. And uh, certainly I hope if any of you listeners out there have any memories like that, we'd like to have you share them with us. We'll tell you how in just a moment. But one little p- piece of unfinished business, Mike. A couple shows back we were talking about Conrad and the control of electromagnetic radiation during the Cold War, and we left the question open: When, what years did they have the the little triangular uh, figures at six forty and twelve forty on the dial? They were required by law, and that was from nineteen fifty three to nineteen sixty three. Uh, only ten years that was required by law. I think maybe some manufacturers continued putting them on thereafter, but they were required by law. Uh, that again, if you want to. Uh, go back a couple shows, uh, and you'll hear about that. Um, something called Conrad, and it was something that we talked about, and we left the question open. is What years did the radios, if you have an old AM radio from that time period, you'll see two little circles with a little uh, triangle in them at 640 and 1240, and that's what that means, is 1953 to 1963. So uh, we answered that one for you. Anyway, folks, we're almost out of time, but we want to invite you to write to us. If you have any memories, by all means, we want to hear from you. Or if you want to just say hi, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is galaxymoonbeamnightsight at gmail.com, galaxymoonbeamnightsight at gmail.com. Our website is galaxymoonbeamnightsight.com. Don't forget our page on Facebook, the Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight page on Facebook. We uh, hope that you'll uh, join us there so that we can uh, keep you updated on what we're doing and on uh, any new developments. We're also, this uh, 10th anniversary year of ours, we're posting up a little time capsule each and every month from our uh, past history. So join us there. And don't forget, all of our programs, our almost 250 programs, are available for your listening pleasure on iTunes, on Mixcloud, and now on googlepodcast.com. So we invite you to listen in to any shows that you may have missed or that you'd like to hear again. So that's all the time we have this time. Until next time, I'm Smitty. I'm Mike. And we thank you so much for joining us on Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. This is the Galaxy Nostalgia Network.